listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. And take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3 as we continue on in our series about developing the mind of Christ, a new way of thinking. And, um, and, and so oftentimes we are so quick to develop the world's way of thinking when it comes to circumstances and events and, and God's word shows us a new way of thinking and Paul was the one who's challenging us throughout this book um, on how to develop the mind of Christ and so last week we talked about how Paul's passionate pursuit at the end of, 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 what, of the passage we looked at and we see this in, in, in chapter 3 verse 10 we see Paul he, he's just he's like oh that I may know him may I that I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection and see Paul just doesn't want to know Christ just you know what head knowledge but but to know him in, in a powerful in a mighty way and I have a question for for you right off this morning do you know Christ and if you do know Christ how do you know him because there's different ways that we can know someone and there's different ways that we can know Christ and and so I mean one of the ways that that we get to know someone is we can know a lot about someone and and encourage you just on your connection cards and the card that um, you were given when you came in to jot down some of these notes and to have your Bibles open and to underline uh, verses and words here as we go through it because we believe that that God's word just has so much to say to us and 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 so even now I mean encourage you to write down you know what these are some of the ways we can know people this is some of the ways that we get to know Christ and uh, we can know a lot about someone Uh, living in the city here in the city of Kelowna for almost five years now I've gotten to know a lot of people and there's a lot of people who I know just by seeing them or observing them especially if I frequent certain coffee shops or different things which I happen to do you get to know some of the clientele uh, that are at times visiting those places and so I see them I might see them at Costco and I'm like oh I know that person from the Tim Hortons you know that new Tim Hortons that usually has nice Saskatchewan Rough Rider donuts in them and you know, and, uh, you know, and so you know people to see them, but you really don't know them. You know a lot about people. And then at times when we're really interested and intrigued in people, we want to get to know them in a greater way. And so we, we, we study them. We get to know them. And, and, and it's just interesting whether it's a movie star or an athlete or maybe it's a band that we like or some of you may like to, to follow the royal family or whoever it is. You have books and you research and you read things about them, even oftentimes in our house we you know it might see someone on television or hear about them and and next thing you know you're googling them just to find out more about them and so you get to know who these people are if it's a sports figure you want to kind of get to know their stats you want to know where they're from and you know just different things about them and so so we get to know people but there's no relationship we know about them but we don't really know them you know what it is so possible to know Jesus in this kind of a way we can know Jesus as a historical figure. We can know about his life, that he was born in Bethlehem, that his parents were Mary and Joseph, that there were shepherds and angels involved right around the time of his birth. We can know that he was baptized at the age of 30, that he did some amazing miracles. We can know that he died on a cross and he rose again. We know the Christmas, the Easter story, and some of the in-between kind of stuff. We can know that he ascended up into heaven, but we just know it as far as knowledge goes we don't really know him in a personal way another way that we get to know some another way that we know people is casually we get to know people in a casual sort of a way and and I mean many of our relationships are are like this and you know people to say hi to them it's just like hey how are you you know and and uh, whether you know and and maybe you're at Costco or you're in the mall and you see your doctor you may see your dentist you if you have a lawyer you may have to you know you see your lawyer and you walk past and and you go hey how are you but you really don't know a lot about them there's some transactions that have taken place or that you have with these people but you really don't know them all that well it's even interesting you can have friends on Facebook and, and, you know, I mean even hundreds of friends and, and you can kind of at times see what's going on in their lives and usually it's the good stuff or the bad stuff. You don't get to know a lot of the in-between kind of stuff and, and, uh, and, and 
yet it's interesting. You can have these friends on Facebook, and then you see the person out in public, and it's just like, oh boy, okay, there's that person, you know. And, and you're friends, but you're not really friends because you really maybe don't want to get to know them. And so, you know, you can kind of have these casual friendships that go on. You know what? It's very possible to know Christ in the same kind of a way. Kind of have a casual relationship with Christ. You know, a relationship that kind of got started back, you know, when I was a teenager or a kid or, you know, a few years ago. But it's kind of distant. It's kind of hit and miss. It's kind of, you know, like, well, if, if everything's going right, you know, it kind of seems that relationship gets a little bit better. But, you know, um, you can kind of know someone casually. You can know Christ kind of casually as well. Don't expect much resurrection power like when Paul said I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection it's not going to come from these first two but to know Christ and to know his power and to know power and joy and freedom and victory in your life today comes from this third way that we get to know him and this is to know him deeply this is a deep relationship with someone and and Paul had this passion to know Christ deeply and, um, you know, in order to have a deep relationship with someone, it means that there's ongoing communication that's happening, that, that there's constant, oftentimes, daily communication, and it's going both ways. It's just not a one-way kind of thing. And this is the kind of relationship that Paul is talking about in, in, in this passage. It's not just having a theological knowledge about Christ. It's more than just a casual on-again, off-again kind of thing. But it's a relationship that is just going deeper and wanting more and more and more of it and this is Paul's pursuit here when he says I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection wonder today where do you find yourself where where's your relationship with Christ at is it just a head knowledge have you made that personal I encourage you if you haven't to consider making that a personal relationship today if it's casual can I move you down into the deep pursuit of Jesus Christ because the Christian life is meant to be one where we are deeply pursuing Jesus Christ. Charlotte and I, we've been married for a little over 20 years. And uh, it was interesting when we were dating. And then I specifically remember it when we were on our honeymoon. We went to Banff and we made it out to, to Vancouver area. Did a pit stop in Kelowna. Kind of thought, oh, I'd be... Now, don't want to move here. But I thought it was a cool place to, to vacation and, and, and that sort of thing. But... Um, I remember specifically in Banff at a restaurant on our honeymoon, we were sitting enjoying this nice meal and we watched this older couple, this mature couple that were sitting close by. And, and I mean, we were, you know, I mean, in love and, and everything, you know, we're jibber-jabbering back and forth. And, as, as, and, and they were in, our, in kind of our sight lines and so we were watching them. And after a little while, I said to Charlotte, I said, look at that couple. They're not even talking. They're just sitting there and... You know what, they're looking at their menus, and I mean, that was 20, they didn't have smartphones back then, and you know, and so they were just sitting there, and they were looking out the window, and they were looking at other stuff, and then the, the, the server came, and all of a sudden they came to life, you know, and, and talking to, to, to the server, but then the server left, and they went back to, you know, and it's just like, okay, either they're having a fight, a nasty day, or this is just life. This is their relationship, and, and I remember her and I saying, oh, could you imagine a We'll never be like that. I mean, we're all, I mean, we are just like, you know, I mean, just like, so in love and just talking about this and that and, you know, everything was so good. And you know what? Even the strongest of relationships take work. Even the strongest of relationships take effort and, and take putting your all into it. And without a specific action plan or a game plan, even the strongest of relationships can start to drift and can grow distant. And the same thing happens in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember those, perhaps for you, those early days when you gave your heart to Christ or, or, or maybe it was after a certain event something took place. Maybe it was after your baptism or maybe it was, you know, um, after, you know what, just a retreat or a conference you went to and it, you just like Boom! Just got like propelled in your walk with Christ, your relationship with Christ. It was just like all of a sudden you were just on speed skates and you were just going and it was so good. And then all of a sudden you just started slowing down. Started slowing down. What happened? Who moved? What changed? 
What distractions started to get in the way? What caused you to begin this free fall or this flatlining that's happened in your walk with Christ? You see, Paul wasn't interested in number one or number two here. He was interested in knowing Christ in a deeper way. And think about this. Okay, just put it in context. Paul is writing this. He's writing from prison. He's not sure. You know, he's been a believer for over 30 years now. He's, you know, he's given his all. He's in prison, not sure if he's going to live, whether he's going to die. And he says, I want to know more. And think about some of the, you know what, incredible, incredible experiences he had had with the Lord. I mean, and he was still wanting more of it. He, he was a guy who got to hear the audible voice of the Lord on the road to Damascus when, when he was converted in Acts chapter 9. You might, might want to read that right down Acts 9. You can read that later on about how he heard the audible voice of, of the Lord. How he had an experience in 2 second, second, second Corinthians 12 where he was kind of in a vision-like state or something like that, and he was taken into the third heaven? Like, I mean, guys still, you know what, uh, theologian scholars are like, okay, what exactly was he talking about there? But he had this incredible, you know what, sort of uh, experience with with the Lord. I mean, here's a guy who wrote 75% of the New Testament. He planted churches, was one of the greatest missionaries of the world. In Acts chapter 19, there was so much power flowing through him that even his handkerchief, that he used, that, that if it was taken and somebody touched it, they would be healed. I mean, this guy had it, and here he is in prison 30 years later, and he says, I want more. I want more of Christ. I want to know him deeper and in a greater way in my life. I'm not done. I'm not satisfied. No wonder he can sit in prison where life stinks, where he doesn't know if it's going to turn out well or if it's not going to turn out well. I mean, in in all realms, it's going to turn out well for him, but he gets heaven, but he doesn't know if he's going to be executed. He doesn't know what exactly is going to happen. He's like, I've got joy. Because he's got this passion, what we were talking about last week and how we ended and encouraged you to not just make Jesus Christ your Savior and not just see him as your Lord, but as your treasure and to treasure him. And, And that's what he was doing here. And so in verse 12, we're going to pick it up here. Because here he tells us how to know him in a deeper way. How we can grow in this and go deeper in our relationship with the Lord. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it known, make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, first of all, first thing is saying, I, I have not arrived. I, have n- I am not perfect. I do, don't think for a moment that I've got it all solved. There's a humility about him here, but yet there's this angst. I want to know him in a greater way. How do we do this? How do we get to know him? We get to know him by, first of all, forgetting what is behind one of the greatest hindrances to our knowledge of Christ, to, to knowing Christ in a greater and a deeper way, can be our past. And we have that, that, that up here for you, if you guys can just go on to the next slide there. Just that I may know Christ by forgetting the past. What was in Paul's past? Well, his sin, his failure, his guilt. Remember, this was a guy who was persecuting Christians. When you read about In Acts chapter 7, the first martyr, Stephen, one of um, the followers of Christ, who was responsible for that death? Who was the one that signed kind of the execution orders? Who was holding the jackets so others could, could, could pelt Stephen with stones? It was Paul. He was a part, he was a murderer. And you see, one of the greatest things that we, that when we come to Christ in repentance and confess our sins, he remembers our sins no more. And so many of us feel that we can't get to know Christ in a personal way because of our past, because of our failures, our mistakes, our shortcomings. Things that were just like, oh, why did I I do that? Or else it's living with certain regrets of why didn't I do that? I had an opportunity to do something different or to do it right and I didn't do it. And, And we just get beat up over and over by our past. And Paul said, forgetting what is in the past, forgetting what is behind 
He's not going to allow those things. He's going to go to the truth of God's word that, that God takes our sin and he throws it into the depths of the sea. In Psalm 103, he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions, your sins from you. In Romans 8, chapter 1, or 8, cha- chapter 8, verse 1, even as that video when we started the service this morning, in Christ there is no condemnation. We are forgiven. We are set free from our guilt, from our shame, from our past from all and every sin amen isn't that great news nothing is held against us the the accounts the the bank account if you want to call it of our sins it's been taken and it's been been wiped clean we're free but the problem is we remember these things and it holds us back or sometimes others remember our sins and throw that back on us and makes it very difficult for us you've been set free if you have come to christ in repentance first john 1 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and paul says forget the past forgetting what is behind me the devil's primary work in the life of you and me as believers in christ is with his accusations. In, in Revelations chapter 12, he is called the accuser of the brethren. And he wants to accuse brothers and sisters in Christ about our sins, about our past. And it's been something that's already been taken care of because of the cross. He remembers our sins no more. He forgives. It's forgetting even the spiritual past. Remember, Paul was talking last week, we talked about this great spiritual past. And he's not leaning on that. He's not not going on those past accomplishments. He's like forgetting that. He's thankful for it. He's thankful for the way God has used him and what he's done in his life. But he's also not holding on to that. And it's so easy for us to, to, to kind of settle and to kind of move into that casual category of knowing Christ because of what Christ did in our life 10 years ago. And we kind of live off of that. Nostalgia can be a killer to our spiritual growth today. And we sit there and we talk about the good old days of what Christ has done. Folks, these are the new good old days of what he wants to do in your life, in our church, in our city. Don't talk, just, just, just dwell on what has happened in the past, but give God thanks for what he's going to do today. It's laying hold of Christ in a fresh way. The second thing about knowing Christ and Paul's angst here, oh, I want to know Christ. It's forgetting what is behind. But second of all, it's straining, pressing forward. Now, for most of us, Getting up and going for a walk isn't much of a strain, is it? I mean, you can get up, you can walk. Now, if you start going any certain amount of, of, of a distance, you might start getting a little tired, a little bit weary. If I have to walk home to Upper Mission after the service, I'm probably going to get a little weary by the time I get to Highway 97. But, I mean, just for me like this right now to walk doesn't take a, a, you know, a very much strain for me. I can do this quite easily. I'm not even, my heart's not even going crazy yet or anything like that. I mean, this is pretty easy. And so, for most of us, we can walk, you know what, quite well, except if you walk with my wife. I mean, she walks like crazy. Like, I don't know if the Harvest kids are going on a walk today. If so, she'll leave them in the dust. I mean, she's just like, come on, let's go. It's, it's that Russian blood in her. Come on, let's get at it. Her dad walks like that. I mean, they just go at it. But, but for most of us, just what I did there, the walk wasn't much of a strain. You know what? Paul here is talking about spiritually, about getting to know Christ. Not just a little walk on the beach. It's like, come on, get ready. Come on. It's about getting ready. You know what? It's in, in the starter gates. And, and I'm not going to take off because I would just blast right through you guys. And I mean, Chris would probably stop me. But I mean, I, I mean, I could do some damage if I really wanted to start running hard. And he's talking about, come on, get in the gates. Let's get going. And it's about stre- you know what? pressing forward, moving forward, toiling ahead. Come on, let's get moving. He's talking about, you have to get after it. Come on. If you want to get to know Christ, get with it. It's just not you know, casual kind of walk like that. It's, it's, come on, let's get going. Sweat it out. He uses a lot of athletic terminology for the people. Perhaps Paul was an athlete. I don't know. Uh, history seemed, now I'm a little tired from all of that. How can you tell what kind of shape I'm in maybe? I don't know. Anyways, he, Paul uses a lot of these analogies about, you know what, um, working out our salvation, about training ourselves for godliness and for good works. And, and so he's talking about how we need this. And, and it's interesting that, that straining, pressing, doesn't sound really easy. It's going to require that exertion. It's going to mean work. It's going to mean sweating it out at times. It's going to mean discipline. 
And at times we need help from others. I mean, we have no problems hiring fitness trainers or going to places and, and getting lessons on how to get in better physical shape, you know. Or we go to financial planners because we need some help financially to, to make wise choices and decisions. We go to tutors, we get coaches, we do all of these kind of things. I mean, even apprenticeship programs that we have, you know what, to, to be able to learn from someone else. And so, so Paul here is talking about, come on, let's get after it. Do whatever it takes. And you see, there's this incredible myth, and it is a myth. And I think so oftentimes you and I believe this daily. And it's, here's the myth that just one day, one day you're going to wake up. And you're going to wake up and it's just going to be, you are godly. You are all of a sudden, and, and you even talk different. You're godly. You know, every, you know, just all of a sudden, just one day, it's just going to happen. And all of a sudden, you're going to know God's word. I mean, just like a good Bible commentary, someone asks you a question and you don't even have to open it. You can just give a defense and, and be able to share what, you know, well, in God's word, it says this. And, and we just believe that one day we're going to wake up and we're going to have all this scripture knowledge. Or, or one day we're going to be able to, you know, give, you know, a, be an apologetics expert like Ravi Zacharias, that that's just going to happen one day, you know, just one day. Oh, I have all the answers. Or one one day we'll, we'll be a prayer warrior like George Mueller. I mean, you read about that guy's life. I mean, it was incredible. The guy would get up at like 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning, and he would spend hours in prayer. And so we think, well, I'm going to try that. And you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, think you can do it. And by 3.05, you're, you know, I mean, you're out of it, you know. And, and, but one day I'm, I'm going to be godly. I'm going to be one of those people who prays for hours in, in the day, you know. Or, you know, all of a sudden one day you're going to be filled with care and compassion Kind of like the, the William Booth, the guy who started the Salvation Army. I mean, great story, great heart of compassion. One day I'll have it. One day I'll be able to lead people to the Lord like Billy Graham. And we have this crazy idea that one day it's going to happen. Well, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm, and I'm going to have a marriage that rocks. Yes, I'm going to have that marriage that my wife wants. I'm going to have that marriage that I'm dreaming about. Instead of having a marriage that's on the rocks. Someday we just... We believe the myth that one day we're going to wake up and the prodigals will just all come home on their own. Someday, someday, someday. You know how that happens? Those things can happen, but it happens one day, one day, one day at a time, pounding it out. One day being, being disciplined, toiling it out, straining, pressing forwards. What do we press into? We press into God's word. But we make the lamest, I mean, just lame excuses oftentimes, you know, like, you know, when it comes to, you know, why I don't read God's word? Oh, I can't read. You know, why I can't memorize scripture? Oh, I can't memorize scripture. And when I do, I'm just like a Canuck goalie. You know, everything goes right through me. You know, sorry, Canuck fans. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I can't pray for more than three or four minutes and my mind's drifting or I'm sleeping or whatever. You know, cure for amnesia or not amnesia, insomnia Yeah, is to pray, you know, and, and it works for me every time. Well, really, I'm glad that prayer works for you like that. Um, it's supposed to work a lot differently, you know, and, 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 and it's about getting in there and and, and I mean, we make these excuses and, and it's about pressing, straining, working it out, discipline, accountability. We will pay big bucks to get in shape and to stay in shape. And yet, when it comes to spiritual growth, what investments are we willing to make for that? We will make commitments and sacrifices for our hobbies, for our possessions, for our toys, for our leisure and we strive, we'll strive really hard to make sure our kids are involved in everything and we're the perfect parent that, you know, has their kids doing all of these things that, you know, and, and now I want to do this, Dad, and now I want, oh, okay, well, let's do it, you know, and, and we'll do that kind of thing. And then when it comes to spiritual training, eh, if we got time, if I feel like it, you probably won't, oftentimes. You got to press, you got to... To get up, to, and especially, I'm always so appreciative of my wife, I mean, who for, for years came to church as a single mom. You know, I mean, she would get the kids ready, I would be at the church already, and now our kids are older and can dress themselves and feed themselves, <laughs> for the most part. You know, and, uh, you know, I mean, but, but it takes work to, to get up, to get to church, even if it's at 10 o'clock in the morning. And, and, and for some of you, it, it takes work to get here and, and that, and, and, and it's, that's important. These are one of these important spiritual disciplines to come and worship with God's people, to put ourselves under the accountability, under the authority of God's word. We will make these commitments and sacrifices for things that really count. 
we will make the commitments and sacrifices for the God or gods that we truly worship. What God are we truly worshiping? It will show in our time. It will show in our finances. Just You want to see the God that you worship? Take a look at how you spend your money and how you give or don't give your money. That will say a lot right there as far as what we truly value. So often we settle, we settle, we we settle into the casual relationship department and as churches can settle, pastors can settle. I mean, I know pastors and and I get frustrated. I mean, this just drives me crazy. I was actually talking to Charlotte just the other day, you know, just about a particular situation and I'm like, I can't be a pastor who just, you know, just finds a good gig somewhere and is just ready to just kind of, you know, um, just just get in, in, in the boat and just kind of slowly sail along or row along and take it easy. No, let's get after it. Let's get after winning our city for Christ. Let's get after pursuing godliness. Let's get after things. And and that means that you're going to face various battles and encounters. And it's going to be hard. And and, and yet it's going to be incredibly rewarding. But it's so easy just for us to settle. And it's easy for us to settle as church attenders. And it's so easy to get distracted. But it's about straining and pressing. You say, but Melden... Hold the phone. Time out here, Melden, because over the last few weeks we've been talking about legalism and about, you know what, that, that we don't do these things. We're not, you know what, our faith, our salvation isn't based on the work that we, we're doing. And yet you're making it sound like, like it is that I've got to do these things. It's only, what I'm talking about here is only wrong or legalistic if we look at these things to build our pride or our arrogance or our knowledge so we can be smarter, better, faster than someone else. But let's face it, if you know in the whole, out at um, Gyro Beach, you find out there's a treasure there and it's buried pretty deep, you're going to start digging and you're going to keep digging, and you know that it's there, and you're going to dig, and you find out that the more treasure you find, the greater the treasure becomes, and the more you can share, the more you can give. That is the way it is with the treasure of the knowledge of Christ. Once you find Christ and discover him, and you start treasuring him, and you keep digging into that, you just find it becomes just bigger and better and, and, and brighter and more amazing than you could ever imagine. And it's not for you, it is for others. And with a humble heart, we're in there. And that is why we're doing it, is, is because we're going after the treasure. We're not going after our own glory. Oh, look at Paul. He's saying press, toil, strain, lean into it. And then thirdly, oh, that we may know Christ by holding to the truth. Look at verse 15 here in Philippians 3. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have already attained. What does spiritual maturity look like? What what would it entail to be labeled as spiritually mature? Great knowledge of scripture, great prayer life. I mean, you, you, you know, here, here's a good definition of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is knowing that you are not mature. Spiritual maturity is, is not knowing how much you know. It's knowing how much you don't yet know and you press on. You keep going. You don't stop. That is is spiritual maturity with the humility just saying i don't i haven't obtained it that's what paul is saying he says i i I haven't got this figured out i'm not perfect i haven't attained it yet but i'm going on that is spiritual maturity right there admitting a dependence on the lord and a desire for more and more of him it's realizing you haven't arrived yet and you won't until you get to heaven And so here is Paul saying, hold to the truth of the word of God. You see, here's here's what can happen in our lives spiritually. And and, and it can happen to any one of us. And so I want to give you this warning. I mean, first of all, it's camping weekend, isn't it? Well, after the last night and this morning, maybe campfires aren't going to be all that wonderful to enjoy right now. But, you know, everyone loves a campfire. And, but one of the things about a campfire, if you don't keep stoking the fire, if you don't keep it, you know what, with a stick and, and, and keep kind of turning the fire over, if you don't keep adding new fuel to it, what's going to happen to it? 
it's going to go out. If you're just sitting there looking at it, it's, it, it eventually will go out, it will smolder, and, and, and it won't consume all that it, it could have, and, and, and it just kind of dies out. And, um, and so sometimes if you're sitting around the campfire and it's just like, there's no more wood around. What am I going to do? Um, you might be tempted to take some shortcuts to kind of get that fire going again, wouldn't you? You know, maybe you got this kicking around and you think, oh, if I pour a little bit of this juice on the fire, it'll get some results, won't it? Don't you think it'll get some results? Yeah? This is gasoline. Yeah, a little gasoline here. Or, or, or maybe, you know, you don't have the gas around. Plus, it's not that smart pouring that on here. But, but, uh, but I, you know what, got this off. If you camp in Alberta or Saskatchewan, you know, you may have this around. And so this is often kicking around the, the fireplace, you know, around the campfire. And it's just like, well, I guess I could just spray a little off, you know, on the fire. That will, have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Crazy people. Those of you who have, I mean, those of you who haven't, live a little, you know, and, and I mean, it can be just like a little flame, and all of a sudden it just, it really gets going pretty good, you know, and as it continues to, to burn a little bit, I was warned about this, and I think we're good. All right, we'll put that over there. But, you know, I mean, and, and so we're tempted to kind of take an alternative route to try to get the fire going again, and, and we'll do some things that, you know, are, are quick, but can be dangerous, Again, the off can, quick, dangerous, and it won't last very long. There's nothing better than taking the wood, getting some more wood, and adding it to the fire and stoking the fire. That's the way you keep a campfire burning hot and bright. Well, spiritually, when things start to kind of die down and kind of start to, you know what, go out for us spiritually, we might be tempted... To go the quick and easy route. Look for certain spiritual experiences that will kind of kickstart, kind of give us a little fire in our faith. Now, that's not always a bad thing. Going on a retreat, going to, you know, a conference, uh, you know, it might be reading a book, it might be something that all of a sudden just gives you a really good jump start and just kind of gets you going again, kind of stokes the fire. But we have to be sure that we are holding fast to God's word. It's got to be biblical. And what I've seen over the years are that Christians and churches can kind of go through this this period where it kind of seems to go out and just like, let's get the fire going again. And they will turn at times to unbiblical means in order to get the fire going again. I remember just as a young youth pastor, I was in Saskatoon, was with this godly mature man. And all of a sudden, and we had quite a large young adult group within our church. And, and all of a sudden, we started hearing the news. And we started to hear that it was coming to Saskatoon. It was this strange phenomenon that was happening in Toronto at an airport church. Where, where people would come and, and, and it would be like they would fall backwards and lay unconscious for a while. And then when they come out of this kind of unconscious state, they would be laughing hysterically. Or they would be um, making animal sounds and, and, and just laughing for hours. And it was the joy of the Lord that they were experiencing and so people would come and they would see this and then they would go to their church like in Saskatoon or in Regina or in Vancouver or probably even came here and and all of a sudden that sort of thing started to happen in their churches and and so I went as a young pastor not to Toronto but I went to my senior pastor and I'm like help what do we do some of our people are going over here what do we do about this like this I mean th- this is weird this is scary and he said Melden if it's of God you won't be able to stop it if it's not of God it will die. And, and, and then it was like, I said, but I don't see this in God's word. I mean, you don't see this kind of thing happening. And again, wise counsel, wise, wise advice. It was like, got to be biblical. You never, ever, whenever you see things on television, when you hear stories, when you see things personally, one thing, if people are falling backwards, they're usually dead. In the Bible, when people are, are falling, they're falling on their knees. And if they're doing any, going any direction, it's forward, out of worship, out of reverence, out of awe. Oh, you never see people falling back. And some of these other strange things that at times can happen can become very questionable. And if you don't see that it's biblical and that God's word is being honored, Run. Be very concerned about it. Get some, some advice from, from someone, um, someone who you trust and respect. 
People, I mean, these kind of things can, can cause a lot of problems and it gives a, a short, quick fix. But it can also become very dangerous. Become very dangerous in, in, in confusing you, confusing others, as there are conflicting spirits that can often be working in these kind of things. And so it's got to be biblical. It's holding fast to the word of God. And when we see things happening, we've got to line it up with God's word. And if it doesn't line up with God's word, we need to dismiss it and be very, very careful. Don't let your hunger, your striving after the Lord, wanting more and more of Him, don't, don't take the shortcuts. I mean, people, you hear now, you see advertising, especially on, on, on the internet when you're on different sites and that, it's about, you know what, the, these, these pills you just take and you just pop these pills, like six, 16 a day or whatever it is, and you just lose weight. It's just amazing. And then there's, there's these other ones. I was almost thinking, hey, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, you just pop these pills and, and within no time you're like, you know what, Mr., you know what, you know what, well, I'd say from years ago, Charles Atlas, a few years ago I would have said uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's not, who, who, who should I be saying now? Aaron, who's got the, who's got the pipes? Come on. <laughs> Other than your dad. Um, your dad. Well, okay. You know, well, maybe, maybe your dad's popping those pills. You know, I mean, but, but you have these guys that, you know, and you're just like, wow, you mean if I can just, no, I mean, you're doing this damage to your body if you're taking these pills. I mean, there's nothing like good, old-fashioned hard work. Want to lose weight? Nothing like long, painful, difficult dieting. I, I, I like the guy who, who, who went on, you know, a diet and, and, and he actually went on two diets because he found he could eat better if he went on two diets rather than just one. It was rather helpful and, and kind of, you know, it just, just curbed his, his desire to be able to want to eat. You know, I mean, we do these quick fix things, but we can't do that spiritually. We need to stay rooted in God's word. And how do, what's another way that we get to know Christ? Forgetting the past, straining, pressing, making it a priority in our lives, holding to the truth of God's word. The next one is by following others. We get to know Christ by following others. Look at in verse 17. Brothers, join me in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have, you have in us. Now, the, Paul sounds a little arrogant here, perhaps, when he's saying, you know what? He's basically saying, imitate me. Follow me. You want an example to follow? It's right here. He's pointing to himself. And that sounds kind of arrogant, perhaps, and yet we don't think it's very arrogant when the math teacher stands up at the front of the classroom on the whiteboard or on, perhaps on the internet, you know, with the computer and screen now, and, 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 and the math teacher writes out how to go about solving certain problems, and they show you how to do that. He's just saying, imitate me. Here's how you go about doing this. We don't think it's very arrogant when the coach comes along and says, here, son, here, young lady, here's how to throw a football properly. Here's how to play goal. Here's how to go about doing these things. We learn from coaches. And Paul is saying, basically, let me, perhaps, consider me to be your coach. You can learn from me. Look at the example that I've set. And the, thing, the great thing that you see about Paul is that he's not this proud, arrogant guy, you know, just like, uh, you know, I mean, he's humble. I mean, he says in verse 12, I'm not perfect. I don't have this all figured out. I mean, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, we see he admitted he struggled with pride. He admitted that as a struggle in his life. In 1 Timothy 1, he called himself the chief of sinners. In Romans 7, we talk about the, the struggle he had with sin and how he just ended up at the end of the day saying, oh, wretched man that I am. And so here he is. He's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I'm doing it progressively. He's doing it with a heart of eternity or, or with a heart of humility. And I am so thankful for the Christian men, women that I have had in my life to be able to follow. So thankful for a godly mother, godly grandmother, godly father, godly grandfather, and many, many others in my life. And some of them I followed. I've watched them. From afar, some of them are pastors. You can read so many good biographies these days and you can get to know people, but some of the best are sitting across the coffee table and having a visit and asking the questions and finding out how God has given them strength throughout their lives. Mentoring, discipleship, that's so important. What did Jesus say? He said, come and follow me. He called his disciples, follow me. And then what did he say to them? Now you go and make disciples. So what I did to you, you do to others. Have others follow you. Follow, as you follow Christ, others, take others along with you in this 
pursuit of Christ. And this is what the Christian life is about, learning from others, having these examples that we follow. And I encourage you to be seeking this out. Oftentimes, the phone won't ring and say, hey, can I disciple you? You've got to take that ownership. You've got to take that kind of thing. And, and someone who's walked a little further in life than you, perhaps, meet with them, have a coffee, ask them the questions, see, see how, hear about the joys, hear about the failures, hear about the struggles today and the victories that have also happened. And so we get to know Christ in a, in, in a better and a greater way by following others. But then he also warns of some who not to follow. And look at in verse 18, he says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he's talking about spiritual leaders here. And he's saying with tears, he is saying with sadness that there are some who are enemies to the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in their shame, with mindset on earthly things. And so he's saying, be careful. Just because someone is a pastor, just because someone is a Christian author, and because they maybe have a large church or a great big following, doesn't mean that they are, and they may even say they love Jesus, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are following Jesus. And you need to pray and discern and study the scriptures to see where this person really is at. Remember Paul warned earlier in, this, in his book to the Philippians. He said, be careful of those who are not preaching Christ. They're preaching with wrong motives. Well, here he says in verse 19, he says, their God is their belly. Their mind is on earthly things. Basically what he's talking about, were they obsessed with eating? No, they were obsessed perhaps with eating, but about their own passions. It was a me first mentality. Fill, fill my pockets first. Fill my stomach first. And when you hear of, 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 of biblical leaders, of pastors, of authors, of, of, of these people with, with great followings, and it's about their jet planes or their fancy cars or their multi-million dollar houses and they have multiple amounts of them and their huge salaries, there should be warning, 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 warning going off. Because that doesn't go with the word of God. That we are to be following people like that. And, and oftentimes it's to suit their own agenda. They're saying some of the right things, but they're taking things out of context. It says their glory is in their shame. It's a sad thing, even when they get called on these things and, and asked about it, they almost glory in it with a, an arrogance. And, and Paul is saying, watch out. He had these kind of guys then. There are these kind of leaders out there today. It's God. Their teaching has to line up with God's word. Not just pulling one verse here and one verse here. And, and putting it together in a nice little crock pot of, uh, of a message. It's, it, it's got to line up in context of what God's word has to say. Be careful who you follow. May there be a heart of humility that they have. That yes, they can be strong and confident leaders, but there's a heart of humility that they haven't arrived, that they're depending on the Lord, that they have a high view of God's word. Who are you following? Who are you calling? Who are you texting? Who are you learning from? Who are you reading about? These are important things. And in getting to know Christ, we get to know Christ in a greater way by, by following, by learning from others. And finally, the last one here, and then we bring our sermon to a close is we live with eternity in focus. Remembering my citizenship, live with eternity in focus. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to, to subject all things to himself. I have something here that is incredibly valuable. Cost. I, I think I went with the 10-year one. I, I said to Charlotte, I just had to renew it. And usually I think they went for five years. And, and then you have the 10-year option. And I said, do I do 10 years? I said, am I going to live that long? You know, I, well, I didn't say that. I said, is Jesus going to return before 10 years? I don't know. I could put that extra money to use someplace else by not doing it. And, and she's like, hey, you better go for the 10-year one. You Lutzers kind of live for a while. So, you know, and, and you better go for the 10-year one, she said. And, and, uh, and, and she said, and it's win-win either way. Because if Christ comes, woo! you're in heaven and if not you go 10 years and you don't have to renew and and uh plus it will be in nine years from now i'm like wow 
how young looking I am. But anyways, being a Canadian citizen is something to be treasured. This is a great country to be from. You travel worldwide, Canada has a great respect around the world. I've heard of Americans, and, and, and Americans have even told me that before they go traveling, they want to put some Canadian pins or some Canadian badges on their backpacks or, and wear that because it is much better to be, at times in certain countries you travel in from Canada or the appearance that you're Canadian, you say A a number of times wherever you are, and you can probably fool anyone, you know, um, even with a, a, a southern draw. Eh? You know, but, but I mean, having... A Canadian citizenship is important. However, Paul says, citizenship, it's in heaven. We're citizens of heaven. We've got something greater, something more that's happening here. And and he's reminding us, this world is not our home. We're bound for glory. There's something so much greater, so much better that is coming for us. Life may be hard. Life is hard now. There's a struggle. There's angst. There's difficulties. There's fears. There's sickness. There's death. There's all of these things. But one day, that's all over. And he says, and your lowly bodies? How many of us would say we have a lowly body? Come on, you're not all in that greater shape. Come on. We have lowly bodies that are slow. I mean, even, even one of our young bucks that was here working and, and, and helping set up said, oh, I've had a sore neck the last few days. I'm like, dude, you're young, you're working out, but you're getting old. You know, I mean, that's happening to all of us. And, but we have to live with that in mind. What are we living for? What are we investing in eternity? Heard of this Great, really interesting story. There was this very, very wealthy man. Very concerned about his wealth. He was getting very sick. Funeral arrangements. He was helping to make his own funeral arrangements. It looked like he was going to be dying soon. And and so he told his wife, he said, I want to be buried with lots of my money in the casket with me. And... And, and, she gave, and he told her the amount, and it was in big bills, and it was going to be a lot of their money, a lot of their savings. He says, I need to take it with me. I, I'm going to need it, you know. And, and so they even asked for a larger casket to fit the box of money in. And, and you know, and, and so the day came, he, he passed away, and he, he made his wife swear and do all whatever to make sure that she was going to follow through on this request. And so she... Uh, day of the funeral comes and, and the family is gathering in the room and the casket is still open and, and from the back of the room she brings the box and the family's like, she's not really going to do this, is she? Like, I mean, bury hundreds of thousands of dollars in the casket with my husband? I mean, that's just crazy. Why is, he doing, why is she doing that? And she said, I made him a promise. I was gonna, I'm going to honor him. And, and, and even in the very last person, just as, as she was placing the money there, the pastor was there and, and the pastor said, you're really not going to do this, are you? And she said, yeah, I am. And then she winked at him and said, I wrote him a check. You know, and, and it was just like, yeah, you know, like, good for her. You know, some of you will catch that later on when you get, oh, oh, okay, oh, that was smart, you know, and, you know, take and cash this in heaven, you know. And we think that somehow we can take it with us, and, and we strive, and we toil, and we want the nice car, the nice house. We want all of these different things. And it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. It's all going to burn. I mean, that nice vehicle that we are, are treasuring or that we're taking such good care of, one day it'll be on the junk heap, you know. It'll, it'll be done. It'll be, you know what, forgotten. No big deal. But what we press on towards eternity. How are we living today as citizens of heaven? How are we investing our time in God's kingdom? How are we investing our money in God's kingdom? Are we giving faithfully to the Lord's work? Because it's about God's kingdom. This is what he calls us to be a part of. Because this isn't our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. On Friday night, I couldn't help but think. When I got the news, my dad called and said that my aunt lives in Regina, passed away after a battle with a brain tumor. And, and for a little bit, I just couldn't help but think how awful for my cousins, how sad and for her grandkids and, and for her husband. I mean, when she found out she had the brain tumor, she was teaching him how to make coffee and how to make his own oatmeal and, and different things like that because it wasn't looking very good. And, but Friday night at supper, as we were talking about as a family, just think. He's with Jesus, with his sound mind, 
No more pain. No more suffering. And, and yes, she gets to see her Lord, but she also gets to see her son who was killed at the age of 16 in a car accident 30-some years ago. What a reunion! There's hope for this life and there's hope for the life to come. We're bound for glory, folks. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Do you just know about him? I encourage you today, speak to me afterwards. Speak to someone who, who you know knows Jesus in a deep way. Speaking to someone about knowing Jesus in a casual way, that may not get you very far, but... I, I pray that for each one of us that we would be folks that are, are, are wanting to know Christ in a deep, deep way and we will inspire and push and hold one another, push one another into that deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. But you have to take that first step. Folks, we, we've got a, a future that's secure in Christ. Power available to us. And Paul knew that his lowly body would one day be resurrected. His lowly body would one day be transformed, but until that time, he was going to walk in resurrection power. So can you, so can I. Let's pray. Father, I pray that even today we would take your word seriously to know that we are citizens of heaven and that would shape how we live our lives, that there would be a hunger, a desire in each one of us. Lord, I pray it would be a growing, deeper desire in my life uh, this week that would just keep growing and growing and growing a desire to love you to follow you to trust you more and more may i lean on your word may i lean on others may i look for others that can walk alongside that are also hungry and wanting more and more of you and may we run together this race you've marked out for us and knowing that in the end that our citizenship is in heaven, that you've got an eternity that is incredible, and it is not about all that we can store up until then. It is about what we can do to invest in seeing the lives of countless hundreds and thousands of others that will be there seeing you, worshiping you face-to-face one day because of what we were willing to do here on this side of eternity. May we be faithful and bless you because of all that you have done is the motivation why we do this. It's a treasure that we're going after more and more and more. And so, Jesus, may we treasure you and even may we sing with victory and rejoicing that we are bound for glory, that you've got an eternity in store for us. And may we live and move and have our being even this week with that in mind. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And if you are here today and would like prayer at the end of the service, I'd love to talk with you, come up even during the song, and I'd love to pray with you, or even after the song is over and we're dismissed, love to pray with you.